Hello, and welcome to UX Soup, a short-form podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experiences of personal devices and services in the home, in the car, or on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global consulting and research firm providing our clients with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Diana Fanganillo, and I am here today with Chris Reiner. Hello, Chris. Hello. And Lisa Cooper. Hello. In today's episode, we are going to talk about good experiences and bad experience with everyday things, things that we might be using on a daily basis. Sometimes they get quite pleasant and sometimes they can get quite annoying. I guess that everybody listening will have a couple of examples of those. I certainly do. Let's think of the first thing that we do every morning. For example, in my case, I wake up every morning, I prepare myself a coffee and every day I use a microwave. I am in a rental place at the moment and the microwave I am using wouldn't be the one that I would have picked. Mm. You have to do so many clicks before you get to what you actually want to do. I mean, it's a small burden, but it's something that happens every day to me. What is the first UX thing that gets you? I actually have the opposite problem with microwaves. So the microwave I've got is one of those where you can just press a button and like you press three and it automatically starts for three minutes, which sounds nice. It's, you know, cuts a few steps out, but sometimes I like to put something on for 30 seconds and you can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. It's, it's one minute or I haven't figured out how to do anything less than that. You can add 30 seconds to it, but you can't subtract 30 seconds to it. <laughs> so if I want to nuke something for 30 seconds, I have to press one and then I have to sit there and watch it. And that kind of defeats the purpose. I actually had a good experience with a microwave, actually. I'm in a rental, a temporary rental right now, so I had to figure it out on my own with no no instruction. And you have to press the power button multiple times to get whichever power you want, power setting. And then you simply turn a dial for how long you want it for, and then you press go. Super easy. Like an old-fashioned dial, not digital? Yeah, it- well, it's digital, but it's a dial, so it goes up in 10-second increments, and it's perfect. Like, I just go, boop, 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 doing. <laughs> Anything else that you find pleasant in the kitchen? Not necessarily in the morning, but when you are cooking, when you are baking? I have to say that I'm also using a gas oven, and I just much prefer those in terms of my user experience any day of the week over electric. With electric, in terms of heating, it's very difficult to control the heat. It takes longer to heat up anything that you're cooking. If you have any site issues, it's difficult to know. I mean, I don't, but I know people that do. It's easy to burn yourself. You don't know which one is on or not, or if it's been turned off, it may still be hot. I just don't like them. So I have a gas oven and it's just so much easier. Things heat up faster. Uh, I can control the heat much more naturally. And the ignition switch on this particular oven, it just, it works straight away. There's no issues with that. Much, much preferred experience for me. Yeah, when you want to boil something and then turn it down to a simmer on an electric, it's just... Oh, yeah, it's too much of a delay on it. It's like trying to steer a canal boat. Do you also prefer the actual oven when it's gas? Because I've never got to bake anything on a gas oven. So for cooking, gas for me is fine, but for baking? That one is actually electric bake. I the best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that I do first thing in the morning is have 
got dogs, so I have to take them outside. And don't have a fenced-in yard, so I have to take them out on leashes. And the leashes, we have retractable leashes. And we've always had those, and normally they're really good. But the last leashes that we got switched around the order of whether you can lock the leash in a position. So normally on a retractable leash, you know, the dog can go wherever they want and out to a certain like 10 foot limit or whatever. I like that. But then when like a car is coming or you want to keep them close, you can press a lock button or press the thing down so that they don't go. But this one kind of changed the position of the lock to be closer to your grip. So that if you go to press the temporary lock, you accidentally lock the full lock. Clearly not designed by a dog person. Exactly, exactly. That kind of bothers me a little bit. I would expect some kind of like industry standards for those. I mean, because there are certain things that if they have worked fine for X number of years, why should you change it? Yeah, why why change the positioning of it? Because you just say, oh, I need another retractable leash. And you just go grab one because you think they're all the same. Can I talk about the car I'm renting? Yeah. It's not the thing I do first thing in the morning, but it's something I've had to use every day. This car is a semi-automatic and for some reason it puts itself into neutral on its own when I'm stopped. It doesn't remain in first gear when I've got my foot on the brake. And then when it does that, it incessantly beeps at me. But when I first got that car, I didn't know what the beep was for. I had no idea why it was beeping at me. There was nothing else. There was no other feedback, visual or otherwise, as to why the car was beeping at me. So it took me a minute to figure out, more than a minute, why is this car beeping at me when I'm stopped? And it does this on a regular basis. Even though I don't put it in neutral, it will put itself in neutral. And then when I want to get going again, it will beep at me. So that's my car experience. I'm sure we could do a whole episode on audio feedback in cars. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great when somebody's beeping or shouting. Yes. I have my husband for that. Be careful. Watch out. He's like, what about? (laughs) (laughs) You don't crash three times every morning. You just startle me. I'm more likely to crash if you just warn me without explaining me what about. (laughs) Could get on about that as well. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say I'm normally used to, when it comes to reversing, I'm normally used to something with a camera that I can look at and see how close I'm getting to something and use the visual feedback, which I really like. This car, though, has auditory feedback, so it gives you the sounds, and then those sounds get more frequent the closer you get to something. I do miss, though, the visual feedback that I get, and I think that's really important in cars, is to have the two different inputs so that you can maneuver where you need to go. Yeah. Rear cameras are not mandatory in Europe, it's in the States, so you get a plan view with bars moving around the car, but I personally try to not to use the camera. I don't want to just kill myself, so I, I do the old way with the mirrors. And yeah, I look from the last century more than from this one, but they're highly useful. Yeah, I use both because it really helps when you have that tight driveway and then you're trying to get yourself down there without, you know, driving into a gate or something. But just having only auditory, I don't know where on the back of the car it's talking about. Is it this, the right corner, the left corner? How high is it? It could just be nothing. It doesn't give me that additional contextual information that I need. Yeah. I won't mention the brand or the vehicle, but we did a evaluation of a park assist system where they had rear sensors, it had front sensors, and they would beep when they sensed something. And of course, like you said, change the frequency or the how, how often it beeped based on how close it was. 
And so we had people that were backing in and you would have the rear sensors go off. And then as they were trying to turn in the, you know, kind of parallel park, it had the vehicle in front. So the front sensors would go off. This video that I show is like there's three different audio beeps going off, all of them different, all of them at different times, different pitches. And you didn't know what beep was what. So stressful. It was very stressful. I think one detail on vehicles while parking that I quite like is when the mirrors dip. It's quite of a smart thing to do. It's not like very flashy, but it's just such a smart detail when you gauge reverse and the mirrors dip so you can see the curves better. It's another oh, be nice. user experience detail that is really nice. I wish my car did that. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to stick your head out of the window <laughs> or open the door. When it comes to software, is there anything that you've come across as well in your daily usage? So for me, there are a couple of things. I'm a heavy user of the Microsoft Office package. And I think over time, all the way back after Office 97, then I think they designed the interface to be more beautiful with a thicker ribbon. But the thing is that then I feel that I need to do more clicks to achieve whatever I want to achieve. Whereas before I was much faster with everything more condensed and more in the same tabs. I have seen some improvements though, and quite pleasantly surprised. Maybe everybody knew about this, but the version I'm working with at the moment, you can save as PDF rather than having to print as PDF, which is like, yes, finally. I mean, this is much simpler. There are a couple of automatisms that get me a little bit frustrated as, for example, when the system is trying to be too clever. And if I was to put a C in brackets, it always makes up the copyright symbol and then you undo it and then it does it again. And so if I was, I don't know, working on an editorial company, I think it would be nice to have that and learn that I am often using that symbol, but I'm obviously not. So why are you doing this to me? That's something that gets me. I mean, it's not something that happens every day, but when it happens, it's like, really? Again? (laughs) So many things, you know, are learning from your past behavior. And for some reason, I think Office isn't quite there yet. It's still very rules-based. And yeah, if you undo it once, maybe don't do it again next time. It does the same thing for me. I do undo it. I try to do it again. And it does it again. I have to undo it again. I figure out how to do it without it, you know, find some workaround so I can do what I want to do without it autocorrecting me. Oh, talking about predictive text, right? When you're Mm. trying to text somebody, that never works. I mean, the times I've sent a text, and it's a daily thing. We're using it multiple times a day. So many times, multiple times a day, I'll send a text and it does not say what I intended it to say because it got autocorrected to a completely different word that makes absolutely no sense and is utter nonsense. So It's another example of a system trying to be too clever, like you talked about, Diana. It just makes life more difficult. It really is not doing what it's intended to do, at least for me. Um, A friend of mine was saying that he likes to put NP for no problem in a text, and it gets autocorrected to no. So somebody will say, (laughs) hey, could you do this for me? And he's like, NP, you know, no problem. And and they get no. He sounds like a real jerk for doing it. It's a little bit like a paradox that the systems are trying to make your life easier, but then you need to send a second text or undo the actions that the systems ask for you. So any more software? I'm still wishing that after all these years, you know, we moved on to USB 3.0 and I'd love for 4.0 to be able to know which way is up so that I put the USB thing in the correct way every time. 
after all of these years, can't we figure out some nice, easy, intuitive way of <laughs> being able to stick a USB thing in? That's very true. Whenever I connect my mouse, I have the same issue. And it's like, it shouldn't catch me every day. There is another thing that annoys me slightly, and is the fact that unlike phones, for example, that they are getting better at it, Microsoft Office won't recognize the language you are writing on. You need to be continuously sometimes changing the language. And sometimes it gets temperamental and you need to do it a couple of times within the same presentation or within the same document. I mean, it's not that difficult for the system to understand, yeah, this person is trying to type in English or this person is trying to type in Spanish or French. I guess that it might be not so easy if they don't do it. Maybe it's a niche use case. I have a positive thing, Yeah, I was going to say, do we have any positives to say about I have software a positive. hardware? The one thing I'm really enjoying about being in the UK as opposed to the US is all the contactless payments. So now that everywhere it's more accessible, I can just like tap and go. And this wasn't as accessible when I was in the US. It didn't seem like every business had that ability. It's just everywhere over here. So I'm enjoying that aspect of software. Contactless payments and the acceptance of credit cards because the business gets charged for using credit cards, of course. So I think whilst in the UK, they seem to be always very open to use credit cards, even if you are going to pay for ATP, they are usually fine with that. Whilst here in Spain, for example, they were not so open, but with pandemic, the willingness to accept car payments has changed quite a lot. And now is I can pay even for a coffee and, and I don't get bad looks. Even if I can't do that contactless payment also, just the chip and pin, I mean, I would have to sign for things in the US over a certain amount. There's, you don't have to sign. Just, you know, if you don't do the contactless, because I believe there are limits on how many of those you can do a day, and you insert your card and you put in your pin and then you're all done. There is no signatures. So it just it just makes everything go a lot more smoothly. Uh, you get through those lines at the grocery shops much faster. And I've really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed the peer-to-peer payment services like Venmo. I've been selling a lot of things recently and I could get into other positive experiences in that. But in the payment part, it's just very easy if you're selling something on Facebook Marketplace and somebody's like, hey, I'd like this, but can I pick it up You know, next Friday? It's like, yeah, sure, give me a little down payment or you know, they offer a down payment or something to hold it. And it's right there and you have it. And or they mm. Venmo it to you right there as they're picking it up. And it's just very easy. It's almost too easy. Mm. But I've been very pleasantly surprised with a lot of those services. Yeah, I, I, there is a danger, though, with a lot of online banking and things like that. Well, a couple of them, not to be negative, but the whole drowning in a sea of passwords, all the different passwords that we have to remember, not just with banking apps, but with utility apps and websites and things like that. And the second thing that I think we have to think about is when it came to banking and services where you'd have to go into a building, that was an outlet for a lot of older adults socially, and that's being taken away. Uh, as things migrate more and more online, people aren't interacting as much as they used to. And so those community connections aren't there as much. And so I really feel for those people who are older, who may not be very good with technology, who want to continue to be able to go. That's one of the things they do today. They're going to go to the bank and they'll get to know the tellers. You know, they get to know each other. And that's something that we may be in too much of a rush to get rid of. 
it's quite nice to talk to people. I remember a few years ago, I was up in Manchester and I asked for directions and I was replied with surprise, don't you have Google Maps? <laughs> it's like, and I was thinking, yeah, but I actually have a mouth and I can just ask around. It's not so bad. Like he wasn't trying to be rude. I think he was just kind of like amazed because he was much younger. So it's what you are saying is the, the old generations are still missing that connection, that talking and that yeah. banter sometimes. And maybe younger generations are like, why don't you Google it? Or why don't you check it on, on Google Maps? Yeah, different yeah. expectations. It's just a significant day out for people who are isolated for, for whatever reason, just to go and get to know their businesses. There's something to that that we need to retain. So more choice is better. It's nice to have those things for convenience to have these things online, but I, I do hope we continue to have brick and mortar banks and institutions and that we don't just rush to everything online. You mentioned passwords in the beginning there. I did, yes. Did we, <laughs> that, that could also be a whole episode of, of I Yes, of I did. I passwords. only touched on it because I know you could literally <laughs> talk about that for a long time. <laughs> I think now I'm valuing more and more those apps that help you to recover your password easily because I know that every time I clean up the cookies on my computer, I'm going to forget about what was the last password I used for Spotify, for example. So since they force you to have more and more secure passwords and different than previous times and so on, I think at some point it becomes a little bit of a pain. But then if the experience of recovering the password is, is good, at least you think, okay, never mind. I will just put a new one until next time I yeah. clean my browser. On a positive side, I like Google Chrome's suggested passwords because you know that they're going to meet all the requirements because all the requirements are different from website to website. But the Google passwords, the suggested ones, they'll meet those requirements. They'll automatically be stored and remembered as long as you're logged into Chrome. <laughs> right. So it works 99% of the time. And you have to trust that your security of your Google account will mm -hmm. be all right. Because certainly having all of those in one place could be a little problematic. But there is that 1% of time where you try to log in from somebody else's computer or somebody else's phone or tablet. And you're like, oh, I, I don't mm -hmm. know what to do here. You can't just like have somebody, hey, could you read my password for my Chrome? And it's like exclamation part, number sign, four, six, capital Z. But this is where biometrics is a really great thing. If you can sign in with a fingerprint or face ID or some other eye scans, whatever, that can really come into its own. So you're not constantly having to remember all of the passwords. I mean, I literally must have had to create at least 12 passwords in relocating because I had every service had an app, every bank account had an app. There were so many apps, so or websites even. And then they have their own requirements or you have to have a character and a, an uppercase and a lowercase. So you can't even, the ones you normally use, you, it's difficult to use. And then you end up having to have a password book, which is just not the best thing. So I, that's why I think biometrics can really come into their own. As long as they can be secured and people trust them, that, I mean, that's a challenge with those things, you know, that they're secure. Yeah. This sounded really millennial, sacrificing privacy for convenience. Yeah. Well, like that's, feeling that's... really comfortable, yeah, make my life easier. Yep. We all do it to some extent. <laughs> yeah, indeed. All right. Well, now it's time for condensed soup whoop whoop 
So we've talked a bit about uh, good and bad experiences with everyday things. So let's uh, do a recent non-everyday good or bad experience that we've had. I'll go first. So I recently sold a car and we all get inundated with, well, in the U.S. at least, ads from Carvana, which is an online car buying and selling site. You can do everything online. And so due to just the situation we were in, decided, hey, let's sell our car using Carvana. And I don't like to promote products or anything like that. And I'm sure that the buying experience could be improved a bit. But I must say the selling experience to sell a car using that website was a very, very positive experience. I put in the license plate number. And from that, it got the VIN number of the car. And it just asked a couple of questions and then gave me a price and said, when do you want someone to come pick it up? I gave a date and I figured in my head, I'm like, all right, so what's going to happen? They're going to look and they're going to say, hey, you know, your seats are stained a little bit and you didn't say that. Or you've got this little ding in your door that you didn't report and we're going to knock some money off of that. You know, the price they gave was really good and was probably more than I would likely sell it for because you might put it up for that price but then people always come and say hey would you take less for it or hey i've only got this much cash on me would you take that and they're like nope we're gonna give you this and so the person came to look at the car and had me sign a few things and i expected them to kind of do an inspection and then print up a check but no they had the check already printed so it wouldn't have mattered if i had a stain or two or someone they had the check printed I literally put two signatures on. She handed me the check and said, I'm just going to stay and take a few pictures of the car. You can go now. And the whole thing, it was like 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes, to do the online stuff and set the appointment for the person. They come and you're out there with them for five minutes, signing a couple things, and you grab the check and you go away and you're done. That's nice. And a couple hours later, a tow truck came and picked up the car and that was it. It was the best car selling experience I've ever had in my life. Again, I don't like to sit here and promote products or any services or anything like that, but that really was a a positive experience. That's nice, especially for women who may feel intimidated by that process. People trying to get the car for nothing. I hate haggling. There was none of that. It was just, here's your price. Here's the check. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, especially if you're not averse in mechanics or how much vehicles are worth and things like that. So that's that's, that's wonderful. How about you, Diana? Chris made me think of another car example because I had a really good experience with a rental company, which is, sometimes is not the case. But I will go for a shopping example. I usually hate shopping, clothes shopping. So I am not a person that enjoys that experience. And last week, I happened to have kind of like 20 minutes to kill before going to the dentist after taking my yoga class. So I was literally dressed with my leggings, flip-flops, and there was a shopping window that caught my eye with a really nice dress. I came inside and I didn't realize that it was quite of an expensive shop. I quite enjoyed the experience. The lady was super nice. Wasn't giving me, you know, these looks that tends to give you when when you basically look a little bit 
underdressed <laughs> for this job. <laughs> she didn't give me the pretty woman, you know, look. And she just gave me like a really special treatment, like uh, showing me things as if, you know, as if I was the best customer that was going to cross the door on, on that day. And I thought that they, that was very nice not to feel judged. And I will probably come back and, and try some things on with some heels, not on my flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, it was a personal touch and was, was really nice. What about you, Lisa? Well, I have to stay on the positive, don't I? I can't sit here and complain after those two great experiences. For me, setting many things up have not gone particularly well. But one thing that has gone well has been my experience with customer service. So one example in particular, I suppose I will mention them, Sky. I had to speak with Sky because I had a lot of difficulty accessing the services that I'd paid for. So I had to call and I got through fairly quickly and I was speaking to the advisor there. And, you know, now you have the ability, you can take pictures of various things. If he's describing where the box is or where's the connection, the broadband connection, you can take a photograph and upload it. And then they will see what you're talking about. And he went through everything with me. He tried several different things. He escalated the problem for me. And he said, oh, I said, how long will it take to fix? He said it should be fixed before the next few days. I actually got a text a couple of days later saying, has your problem been fixed now? I took a look. The problem was fixed, but there was a new problem. <laughs> However, I called again and we fixed that problem immediately. And the other problems had been fixed. So it was just that the fact that the advisor was very proactive, very keen to fix the problem with me on the phone and then was willing to escalate things. And the fact that the service was proactive in texting me and said, hey, has that problem been fixed yet? So when I said no, please call now and we will try and get that fixed for you. So I really appreciated that level of service. Sounds really good as well. Well, I think our time is up. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Chris. I think we had a really good time today. If you would like to give us your examples about everyday experiences that have caught your attention or to send us any questions you might have, you can email us at uxsoup, all one word, at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes on our podcast website, ux-soup.com has links to our recent research. There, you can also connect with each of us on LinkedIn. A reminder that UXSoup is a sponsor, as always, by Strategy Analytics. Check out the latest user-focused insights in mobile, automotive, and smart home by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.